0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and with me as always is Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Uh, he's given me the AOK symbol, so we're all <laughs> set to go.
0: And we have a bowl full of dinosaurs in front of us.
1: Pants are off.
0: Pants are off. Mics are on. Uh, yes. That should be our motto.
1: All of our, it should be. That, <laughs> oh, yeah, that looks like great on a t shirt. It sure would. Um, the, the, all of our open wounds have been treated according to the step by step process included in this article. Yeah. Did you read that sidebar? <laughs> I did. It's gruesome.
0: Yeah, and you know what? This is like, this kind of thing can strike fear into you when it's in the news, which it has been lately in Georgia and nationwide. But, um, It's rare, and we can't say that enough. True. So don't freak out, and don't start slathering yourself with uh, antibacterial gel. True.
1: And um, to the writer's credit, it is pointed out in this article, it's like 500 cases of this a year. Worldwide, right? I didn't get that either way. Oh, really? Still, even in the U.S. Sure. Now in, like, maybe uh, Andorra, that'd be huge. Yeah, true. Um, But, Chuck, after researching this, Fletchening bacteria scares the tar out of you. The beep out of you. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. We can't beep any longer. It's sad. You just did, man. You just found a workaround.
0: (laughs) I just said beep, so that's not the same thing. Yeah, it's it's pretty scary because it's um, silent and it can... (laughs) Silent. The silent killer. It can creep up on you. And in the case of Amy Copeland, who we'll get to, sadly... Like, she was going to the hospitals for three days before they diagnosed it. Yeah. And by that time, it was too late. Right. Um, Not too, too late, because she survived, obviously, but
1: yeah, apparently, we'll, we'll get to that. I was reading an article about her, and she's just, like, tough as nails. They said, like... It's incredible. We're going to have to amputate your leg, and she said, like, let's do this, yeah. is what she said. I know. And she couldn't even talk. She mouthed it.
0: I know. So. Far braver than me. I would have been right. like, let's end this. Right, exactly. (laughs) Unplug me. I'm such a wuss.
1: Right, yeah. I heard um, now that she's up and about, the first thing she did was take like a half-gallon shot of scotch and punch out a doctor just (laughs) for fun. All
0: right, so we'll get to her uh, tragic but inspiring story.
1: Okay. Um, I was going to use her as an intro. Oh, go ahead then. All right. So uh, We'll get to it right now. Amy Copeland, she's um, 24. She's a Georgia lady, Um, and she was on a zip line at a friend's house. And fell off. I don't know if the zipline broke or if she let go or whatever, but it I was. it was a malfunction. It was in a. It was over like a raviney creek mm-hmm. over some brackish water. Yeah. And in brackish water, actually in all fresh water, there is a bacteria called Aeromonas hydrophilia or A. hydrophilia. Yeah. And it's everywhere. Normally, if you ingest a little bit of this, you sw- It's through swallowed water. Sure. And it gives you the poops. Just diarrhea, though. That's it. Yeah. The reason why just diarrhea is because you have whole colonies of bacteria and antibodies in your stomach that are designed specifically to take on ahydrophilia. Right. And put the smack down on it. It's yeah. part of your immune system, right? Thankfully. The thing is, with Amy Copeland, she had a gash in her leg from when she fell. Yeah. And the bacteria got in that way.
0: And that is a a whole different host of problems. Exactly.
1: Your body is not used to fending off bacteria through wounds. Yeah. And there are certain types of bacteria, which are generally known as flesh eating bacteria, that basically mounts the largest, most vicious, virulent campaign of any bacteria around in your human body. This is what I didn't
0: quite get though, because you did this part as additional research, which I appreciate. But I'm not quite sure. Is it a dummy attack is going on? You want to
1: get into this? This is how flesh eating bacteria. Yeah, works. I
0: mean, we might as well go ahead and tackle this, and then we'll finish up Amy's story, then get into it.
1: Okay. So, um, what happens? What happens? This mm-hmm. the bacteria, which is again a a hydrophilia. It's everywhere. Yeah. And we our bodies are used to it. Right. Strep. The same uh, group A strep. Streptococcus A. Yeah. That's what gives us strep throat. Sure. It's everywhere. 15 to 30% of people are carriers, right? These things are everywhere. And normally when they get into our body through normal channels, our body knows how to ward it off. When sure. they come in through a wound, you have potentially big trouble. Um, and these bacteria are capable of producing um, toxins. There's uh, enterotoxins, yeah. which are cytotoxins, meaning like they directly go and like kill cells. They like... Weaken the membrane or something like that. So, um, they can go and attack tissues. And then uh, another thing that they might express genetically is, um, exotoxins. Right. These are the ones where if you, if you have a bacteria that expresses exotoxins. That's good, right? No. I thought that
0: prompts the immune response.
1: It does. The problem is, is these bacteria are, are prompt, are, setting off almost, it seems like purposefully, right. an immune response from your T-cells. Oh, okay. But it's too big. And this huge response comes about, and it's like this big, lumbering, clumsy response from your T-cells. So your T-cells are going haywire because this basically dummy attack has been launched by this bacteria to distract the T-cells. So this is what I don't get. Are they Are the T-cells attacking the wrong thing? The T-cells aren't attacking anything. The T-cells going on high alert. Signal the production of cytokines, okay, which are like signals they're like triggers like histamines are they're an immune yeah. response trigger, yeah. cytokines are the cytokines in turn um over or overexcite excite uh macrophages, and those things go and like eat cell detrius <laughs> or detritus,
0: <laughs> actually, I've listened to the pronunciation, it's actually detritus,
1: okay, so it eats cell detritus, yeah, so they're going haywire and then um. Last but not least, they promote the release of free radicals, which normally go and target bacteria. But in this huge undirected immune response -response. that this bacteria has purposefully triggered, Uh um, the free radicals are attacking all this tissue. So you have cytotoxic... um, enterotoxins that the bacteria is producing directly yeah and then it's also indirectly affecting this healthy tissue by promoting the release of free radicals it does seem purposeful it it very much like
0: does. It, it sits around and reads the art of war and decides this is how I'm going to take you down
1: exactly wow. and, and it works like a charm so you have your tissue that's being destroyed right yeah which is where you get the the term necrotizing fasciitis, which is the the correct term for um flesh-eating bacteria. That's right, and um you it also promotes something called toxic shock syndrome.
0: Is that when your organs start shutting down? That's part of it. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, that makes sense, and that's scary. And the scariest part of all this is that it starts out by something really tiny, like it can be a pinprick, right, of an open wound. It doesn't have to be some big gash on your leg. And it starts out as something small and turns into something big, right? Uh, which is really scary. And you know, if you if you have a cut on your hand or on your leg, and you've actually if, even if you haven't been in any kind of brackish water, if you just if it starts to hurt a lot worse than you think it should, then it's probably not one of the 500 cases, but you should probably start looking into it.
1: Well, what was surprising to me was it doesn't even have to be a cut, man. It can be an abrasion, a bruise. Yeah, how could a bruise? I don't get that. I, I don't know if your skin is thinned out at that site.
0: Really? Like so thin it can just get through the uh, the outer dermis?
1: Maybe. Wow. Um, But yeah, you can, and, and it doesn't just have to be, like you said, brackish water. Like if you have a cut, an open wound on your finger, yeah, and you're around somebody with strep throat. Yeah you could conceivably, all the stuff is in place for you to to contract necrotizing fasciitis.
0: And it can go person to person for sure, but without an open wound, it's pretty unlikely. Right. Like that's how they get in.
1: Yeah.
0: And they eat the fat, they eat the tissue, and then they start to consume your organs.
1: Right. And the reason uh, the flesh-eating bacteria is, so clinically, the clinical term is necrotizing fasciitis, which means the killing of fascia. Right. The fascia is like this membrane that acts as connecting tissue between your skin and fatty layer and your muscles and joints and tendons and ligaments and bones and organs. Yeah. And it's this uninterrupted membrane that covers your entire body beneath your skin. It's like um, one of those, uh, what are they called? The, the one guy sent it to us. We have a green screen one. Oh, the... Uh, root suit. Yeah, the bodysuit. It's like a root suit. Yeah. But it's be- between your skin and your muscles. Right. This is where this infection takes place. And since it's uninterrupted, it can go everywhere. It just basically chugs along and separates your skin from your muscles by killing all the tissue around it.
0: Well, and the other scary part is it's really, really, really fast. Yeah. Like this football player from the University of Tulsa died in a week. Yeah. Uh, big, healthy, tight end, you know? Like, you don't have to be weak, and you don't have to be old or a child. Like, it can attack anyone that gets it and take you out pretty quickly.
1: Yeah. Uh In just a matter of days, like you said, it can go from a pinprick to, you know, you just lost your leg.
0: Yeah. Well, which is what happened with Amy Copeland. I mean, it's a miracle that she's alive right now. Yeah. But uh, she ended up having her... uh Left leg completely amputated, um, her right foot, both of her hands, and part of her torso. God. And she got out of the hospital, and like, I mean, it took a while, but then I think two or three days later, she was already had taught herself how to eat. This company has uh, uh, thrown in to build like a thirty forty thousand dollar addition to her home nice. for like rehabilitation and stuff. Uh. And uh, yeah, pretty amazing. Like her, her spirit. Her dad has been. Um, posting like yeah. crazy on like Facebook and on yes. her website, they started.
1: And she's a bad mamma jamma, way better than me. She's tough. Yeah, yeah, very inspiring. Um, so when let's say if uh, what's also crazy, Chuck, it's not just her. There was another dude from Cartersville, Georgia, I heard about who that. had another uh, necrotizing fasciitis case. Yeah, and they were actually in the rooms next to one another at one wow. point. They're at uh, I think a burn center in Augusta was it because this place is like one of the one of the few places in Georgia that like knows what they're doing with necrotizing fasciitis right um, and so you know how do you treat this thing
0: well the first thing you do once it's diagnosed is like huge huge heavy doses of antibiotics yeah to obviously to try and kill it but like we're not talking like pop a pill every six hours
1: no like constant drip just basically yeah. flooding your body with it um, and I- immunoglobin globin Immunoglobulin. Jerry thought that was funny. Yeah, I heard.
0: Uh, so they want to remove like any of the dying flesh and try and try and isolate it and remove the bad parts, which is what they were doing with her. And it, it just spread so quickly. You know, they were like fighting a really uphill battle in her case.
1: I read a uh, case study. Have you seen any pictures of this stuff?
0: Um, no. Mm.
1: So I read a case study of this uh, woman who came in and she had it in her arm. And um, you could just first of all, her arm is swollen. It was like Cabbage Patch Kids' arm. Yeah. But then there's like splotches of like purple, uh-huh. and then splotches of black. Yeah. And then um, what's called desquamation, where like the top layer of skin is just peeling off. And all of this had happened to her like over the course of hours. Yeah. And as they were treating it, one of the things that they'll do before amputation is called debridement. Uh huh. Where basically they take the the limb that's infected or the area that's infected and they just scrape the the tissue off. Yeah, I read about that. Um I saw a picture of it. It's horrific. Yeah, I didn't look at the pictures. Um and then after that they have to treat it with skin grafts uh after after it's been after they got all of it, hopefully. If they Well that's what she did on her torso. Yeah, okay. And if they can't get it then they amputate. Wow. Yeah. It's a pretty serious Condition. yeah.
0: Okay, so what to look out for. We said if you have like a a smallish wound that's like disproportionately painful, you should go on high alert. If it becomes like swollen and red and hot, Mm -hmm. that's a really bad sign. Uh, If you get typical things you might associate with bacteria and uh, bacterial infection like diarrhea and fever and chills, uh, nausea and vomiting, Mm -hmm. that's a really bad sign too. Especially if you have just a small cut in your arm.
1: So that nausea, vomiting, all that stuff could be the result of um, the infection. It could also be the infection leading to toxic shock syndrome. Right. Which in and of itself is pretty interesting. Uh, Apparently, we've only known about that since 1978. Really? Yeah. Um, Do you remember like associating it with tampons? No. Well, when it first came out, like almost all the case studies of this toxic shock syndrome, which is like... Uh, Basically, your organ multi organ failure, which is three or more, Uh um, lowered blood pressure, all this other stuff. Um, all of the cases were of people who were using like high absorbency tampons. They were women. Then they started to look more and more, and they realized that that didn't hold true when you looked at more of the case studies, there are a lot of men and everything, and now they realize that it's the result of an infection. So, like, the lower blood pressure is like your body mounting this huge immune defense. And um, so histamines are released, so your blood vessels dilate, so your blood pressure decreases to a a really dangerous level. It's basically your body having this enormous allergic reaction to an infection.
0: And it had nothing to do with tampons.
1: No, it did. It still did, but they thought it was just... Tampons oh, okay. that triggered toxic shock. Wow. Yeah, even still, there's like warnings on boxes. I think that oh, really? say like toxic shock syndrome warning. Jeez, that's pretty but, scary. Yeah, I had older sisters.
0: <laughs> I did too, but I didn't get in her business. <laughs> um, so in the first 24 hours, you know, you're going to feel these pains. Um, the second 20, uh, I'm sorry, three to four days in, um, there's going to be some swelling, and that's when you might get this purpley rash. Or like blisters uh, that are filled with a dark fluid, that's not a good sign at all. And um, your skin, even at that point, even three to four days in, might start to flake off and uh, turn white or dark. And that is definitely a bad sign.
1: That's the Um
0: Then four to five days in, that's when the toxic shock happens. And you're pretty lucky if you haven't been treated at this point to, to make it
1: out alive. All right. Toxic shock alone, 50% of cases are fatal. With um, flesh-eating bacteria overall, 30 to 40, I saw 25 is the lowest, 25 to 40% of cases are fatal.
0: Uh, So should we talk about wound care?
1: Sure. (laughs) I've never cleaned a wound like this.
0: Well, then you haven't been cleaning your wounds correctly.
1: This is one of the ways to prevent uh, flesh-eating bacteria.
0: That's right. You want to flush your wound with cold water initially, no soap. And in fact, you don't even want to get soap into the wound, apparently. You want to clean around it. With uh, with soap and a cloth. And then get some alcohol and uh, put it on your tweezers. Use the tweezers to clean out any gunk that's in there.
1: In the wound site?
0: Yeah. You don't I, I've never stuck in
1: tweezers in one of my cuts,
0: ever. Well, that means you didn't have anything in there. Or you did and you didn't know it.
1: I, no, I, I didn't. I was like, I'm not putting tweezers in there.
0: <laughs> uh, then you want to uh, apply a bandage. And if it's a place that can be exposed to dirt. And they say to ask a doctor whether or not to bandage because sometimes wounds are better unbandaged and heal quicker. Sometimes uh they're better bandaged. And then the old antibiotic ointment
1: yeah. will, will always do you right. And don't forget the – well, yeah. I, I almost always put a Band-Aid on. Did you really? I've never had a wound where I'm like, oh, I probably shouldn't put a Band-Aid That's on. symbolic that. Band-Aid. Right. <laughs> 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 um, what else you got? Oh, I've got some other stuff like risk factors. Um, you can be totally healthy just from the, um, badness of Amy Copeland. I assume she's probably a healthy person. Yeah. I think a I lot think of so. people typically are healthy. Um, so you can still come down with flesh eating bacteria, necrotizing fasciitis as a healthy person. Um, but there are some risk factors that, that would put you in the uh, higher likelihood camp. Um, if you've had an infection recently, especially one with a rash, like chicken pox, that, yeah. that's one. Cuts, abrasions, those are big ones. Um, steroid use, you don't want to be using steroids anyway, but even if they were prescribed- Yeah, there's a and lot you of have a cut, medications that are good. I think steroid um, steroids prevent cuts from healing as fast. Is that what it is? So I think those two combined make you at a higher risk if your immune system is lower.
0: Sure. Like if you've just been sick, maybe? Um,
1: yeah. Uh, diabetes is a big one. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, and then if you are a black tar heroin user, there have been outbreaks of um, necrotizing fasciitis among heroin users before. There was one in the late 90s in San Francisco. Really? And black tar in particular uh, sets you up for it because it's like this lower purity heroin that's gummy. It's gummier than regular heroin. Uh-huh. So it collapses your veins like almost immediately. So people who shoot black tar heroin do what's called skin popping, where they shoot it just under the skin or into their muscles. Um, And then because it's not the least bit refined, that's why it's gummy, um, there's often impurities. And sometimes some of those impurities are clostridia, which is a kind of bacteria that can be a flesh-eating bacteria. So basically, if you're shooting black tar heroin, you're running the risk of directly injecting flesh-eating bacteria. And there's people who have lost arms, shoulders, ribs to flesh-eating bacteria by shooting black tar heroin. I,
0: I think the stuff you should know advice is to not do heroin. Let's just go ahead and just throw that out there. Sure. I I'll, I could get behind that. You're, you're avoiding a whole host of problems yeah. if you don't do heroin. Yep. The H.
1: So what else can you do to prevent it?
0: Uh, Well, keep the wounds clean. Uh, Wash your hands a lot. And that means... Warm water and soap and like 15 to 20 seconds of good scrubbing like you're going into surgery. Mm-hmm. Get between the fingers, dry it off really well, and then after you dry it off, don't go and put your hand back on the faucet right. to turn it off in a public bathroom or even your own bathroom. Yeah. Although, I don't know if I would do that in my own home.
1: Uh, no, I think your own home's okay. Yeah. I feel like there should be some sort of... I mean, it could lead to a rise in superbugs, but we already faced those, so wh- what do we have to lose? But I feel like there should be more um, cleaning products handy in, like, public bathrooms.
0: Uh, well, there are increasingly. You see those little hand sanitizer machines No, I mean, now.
1: like, here's a bottle of, like, bleach water and just go ahead and spray <laughs> that toilet seat or...
0: Well, I'm not, like, a Howard Hughes type, but I I'd, I'd definitely, after I wash my hands in the bathroom in public, like... I don't put my hand on the door handle right. or anything like that. I always try and muscle my way out or put a paper towel between me and the thing.
1: I'm extremely conscious of that, too, especially at the gym.
0: Yeah, I've been more conscious about it.
1: Which pops up with your character in an episode in our TV show that's coming out. <laughs> that's right. That um, a little uh, teaser? Yeah, big nice. teaser right there. That's true. You got anything
0: else? Uh, no. I mean, Amy Copeland's story has been uh, prominent lately, obviously, in they are accepting donations, and I think we would be oh, remiss cute. if we didn't announce that. Um, she spells her name A-I-M-E-E, so it's uh, dot com <clears throat> slash donations. And just go to the website anyway, and just her story's on there, and her progress is on there. And yeah. it's uh both frightening and inspiring in her case. So uh, it's definitely, I think, that triggered our uh, desire to do this, right? Or did it?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, just that, not only that, but it seemed that uh, nobody really had a good idea of um, what flesh eating bacteria does.
0: A bunch of lousy local news reports.
1: Yeah. And I mean, not even local, like the national stuff, too, is like, you know, um, really misinformed. Like they're like, each through your tissue. It doesn't eat through your tissue. No, nobody dug into how it really works. It was yeah. very frustrating.
0: You know why? Because it's way easier just to scare people with things with non-facts.
1: Right, but this is one of the ones where it was like the more I looked into it, the more scared I became. Even yeah, well, people are yeah. lazy. Yeah. Um. Oh, I've got a little more. All right. I got one more. So, like, it wasn't until 1952 that somebody used the term necrotizing fasciitis, and we really started to understand that it was bacteria mm-hmm. or whatever. Um but the uh we knew about it since the civil war.
0: Wow, that's crazy. What did they call it though in the civil war? Uh
1: well they used to name it according to the doctor who reported it. Um so like and, and it was also based on the area of the body that it was infected. So like if you had Fournier's or Fournier's gangrene, uh-huh. it meant that you had flesh eating bacteria around your genitals. If you had wow. Ludwig's um, angina, it meant you had flesh eating bacteria around your face or mouth or jaw. Really? Yeah, and then they figured out, like, oh, wait, we should classify it by the kind of bacteria and that these are not separate things. Like, this is all the same thing. These people just had, like, a cut around there that this got into.
0: Boy, you're in big trouble back then, too. Oh, yeah. If you're in big trouble now, imagine back then. Pretty scary.
1: Yeah. Well, the first guy to describe it was a Confederate civil war surgeon named joseph jones really and i'm sure he was like i can't do anything for you man
0: right he retired yeah to the country yeah
1: so that's it flesh eating bacteria um if you want to learn more about it you can type that in flesh hyphen eating bacteria uh and into the search bar at howstuffworks.com and that will bring up listener mail
0: i am gonna call this uh We love the Irish, as always. Uh, Josh and Chuck and Jerry, just a short note from an old geezer uh, living in Limerick in Ireland, uh, who is one of your most devoted fans. For the last number of years, when walking my dogs every Sunday on the mountains of Ireland and alpine areas occasionally, I'm listening to Stuff You Should Know on the iPod. Uh, My biggest problem is that I've not been able to source a set of earphones that will suit my border collies. Uh, who is cool, intelligent beast would easily tune into you, laid back southern dudes. So he wants his dogs to listen. That's nice. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy the show, in particular, your easy symbiotic style. And I've recommended it widely. In particular, I enjoyed the shrunken head show mm-hmm. because I used to have one. Nice. How, you might ask? Uh, my sister worked in Columbia uh, in the 70s and 80s and brought me home a present of a shrunken head. It looked very real, so the first question I asked was, is it real? No, it's not, she said, but added, if you really want a genuine head, I'll bring one next time. Needless to say, I declined, which was a big mistake. Seriously. It? Uh, the original head is still hanging behind the bar of a pub on the west coast of uh, CO. Clare. Is that?
1: County Clare. County Clare? All right.
0: That's what they do in Ireland. CO. CO. And that is from Mike Keys, uh, and then Judy and Glenn are the dogs. <laughs> he named his dogs Judy and Glenn. That's very nice. That's very you sound sweet. like a
1: nice couple from the
0: '50s. I know, and he's just marching around Ireland, listening to us. Awesome. With, with his shrunken head around his neck, I guess.
1: We'll keep marching, Glenn and uh, Judy and Mike is the human. Mike, yeah. the human. Thank you very much for writing in on behalf of all three of you. It's pretty cool. Agreed. Um, so this one was a Yumi request. If you have a request, we want to hear it. We're always looking for good topic suggestions. Um, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. Topical request is less than 140 characters almost every time. Yep. Uh, you can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. Unlimited characters there. Or you can send us an email to Stuff Podcast at Discovery.com.